Open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Verse 65. And he said, Our Lord Jesus, his final words to the carnal hearers of John 6. Therefore said I unto you, that no man can come unto me, except it were given unto him of my Father. And amen. Amen. In my prayer this morning, I shared with you another angle on our worldview. Life view. Life is not a blessing. Unless... We're God's elect. If we're not God's elect, then we are vessels unto dishonor. Romans 9. We are vessels of wrath. We are vessels of ignorance. We are vessels of rebellion. We are vessels of believing a lie. If he does not give us the truth, reveal it to us and convince us of it. Life is no blessing. Life is a curse to have been created to be a vessel of dishonor. It is a blessing to have been created to be a vessel of honor and to be a vessel of truth and to know him who gave himself for us and to know his word of how we should live rather than the dysfunction of the lives around us and their idiocy and their total lack of perspective of reality from creation to judgment. They know nothing. All they know is to stick a few calories of energy and a few nutritious vitamins and minerals, proteins, carbs, and fat down their hole in order to stay alive another day. We see so much more than that. And thank you, Lord, for it. Life is not a blessing unless God shows us the truth or we live like the vast majority of the human race Believing a lie. When you believe a lie, that means you're deceived. Because you think the lie is truth. And your truth is nothing but a lie. That is just horrible. Why would you want to draw the next breath? Why would you draw the next breath? Because you don't know. That's why it's called deceived and deception. You don't know that you're believing a lie. Truth is not a right. Truth is a privilege. It is an opportunity, and it is a responsibility. And God's given it to us as a gift. It's his mercy that has shown us his truth. We want to be faithful to it. We want to live worthy of it. We want to bless him for it. Help us, Lord, to consider these things for a few minutes. Therefore said I unto you, it wouldn't matter... If I ascended back up to heaven right in front of you, you would still not believe on me. Therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. We believe that eternal life is a gift. But there are so many aspects of that gift that the rest of the world doesn't understand. They don't understand any aspect of the gift. All they understand is an offer. And the offer is not received by most So the gift in waiting, if you will, is never realized by the vast majority. In fact, the gift ends up sending most people to hell. 
Because God gave his son for those in hell as much as those in heaven. But I want you to notice here, except it were given unto him of my father, for you to believe the truth, God had to give it to you. Right. To you for you to believe on Jesus Christ, God had to give it to you. God gave us to Christ before the world began. God gave Christ to us before the world began. Christ gives eternal life to us. God gave the power of life and death, eternal life and eternal death to Christ. And God gives us the ability, the power, the recognition, the assurance to believe on his son. The gifts just continue to extend of what God gives us to believe on his son. He gave us to his son. He gave his son to us. He gave the son complete power over life and death. The son gives eternal life to us and he gives us his son for us to believe on him. I just want to keep saying it. It's all the aspects of God's gift. And so Jesus Christ said right here, therefore said I unto you, this is the second time I'm saying it to you, John 6 hearers, you carnal beg, bread beggars, that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. The reason you think my doctrine is hard, the reason you don't, can't accept it, the reason you murmur at me, is because it hasn't been given to you to believe. But brethren, it's been given to us. The vast majority of the human race has lived their lives believing lies. That's true. What a waste of breath, energy, food, ambition, hope. There is none. It's a miserable existence. It doesn't glorify God. It doesn't benefit man in any meaningful way. And they end up with all their dreams, all their ambitions, and all their hopes utterly washed away in the end. Life is a blessing when God has revealed himself to us as his elect and shown us the truth that we might know him and his son, Jesus Christ, and how we ought to live. What a blessing truth is. We have completed our sermon study, our sermon series of John 6, where the truth about Jesus was missed by most of the hearers. Out of 10,000 or 15,000 or 20,000, There's only a few left as we get to the end of this chapter. Jesus explained that the elect would believe on him by divine enablement to do so. All the Father giveth me, that's the elect, all the Father giveth me shall come to me. But no man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him. Verse 44. That's verses 37 and 44. Jesus did not feed the 5,000 to help them believe. He hid from them due to their carnal lust because he had fed them. We read that in verse 15 and verse 26. When they objected about his doctrine, he did not explain his words, but rather he explained their blindness. He did not modify his words. He told them that it wouldn't matter what he did or said, they wouldn't believe on him. Jesus eventually drove them all away by various tactics, including his hard and offensive doctrine, about eating him as the bread come down from heaven and drinking his blood and eating his flesh. He made no effort to save any of them and in fact asked his apostles if they would leave with them. I hope the preparatory reading, time number two, I hope the preparatory reading last end of Isaiah 45 moved you. It was a wonderful chapter. What a difference. Verses 9 through 20, the idolaters. God's promises to us as children. God's guarantee of what he's going to do for us 
his children in the church of the Old Testament. I will send Cyrus the Persian. He's my shepherd. He will perform all my pleasure. Our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. And one of the things that pleased God was to raise up a Persian that would deliver the church of God of the Old Testament out of Babylon, which he did in short order. And it's described for us in the last verses of Second Chronicles, in the first verses of Ezra, in Daniel chapter... There are several chapters in Daniel that include the measure about Cyrus, and they're in Isaiah 44 and Isaiah 45. Remember, when you read the 40s of Isaiah, and they're some of our favorite chapters in the Bible, because it's God boasting about himself against all the gods of the heathen, it's mainly about Cyrus coming to deliver Israel. I've called a man from the east. And that man from the east came and delivered them out of Babylon. Right. It was a wonderful chapter. This simple sermon is to confront us with the reality of truth. The reality that I just told you. If you have life and no truth, that is a curse. If you have life without election, it's a curse. You say, is God fair to give life to some without election? Absolutely. But really, it's better than fair because he should just send them straight to hell. Right. But he lets them suck in the rays of his sun and see the fruitful seasons of rain on the ground and gives them carnal pleasures to fill their hearts with food and gladness. Right. And it's a revelation of the truth to them. And they hold the truth in unrighteousness right. for what is ma- it's made manifest to them. They understand it and they know it. I believe Romans chapter 1 right. and what it says about man's innate understanding of basic truth of a creator God. It's just that this generation is more ignorant than most. All men have known that there was a creator God before this generation. They're too stupid and too educated in this generation to understand that all their fathers believed in intelligent design, whether it was by some falsely named idol God or the imagination of their own hearts. This simple sermon is to confront us with the reality of truth and the resulting responsibility we have to it. To whom much is given, much shall be required. We've been given much, much shall be required. And it should be a pleasure to give it back to the Lord because he's made our life a blessing instead of a curse. Lord, help us to that end. Some assumptions. I'm going to make some assumptions for this study to keep it short and focused. God is a God of truth. Anything I say to you doesn't contradict that. God is a God of truth. He cannot lie. He will swear with an oath at times to confirm his truth to his children. But he will blind men that neglect or reject his truth. He will blind them. He will deceive them. He will harden their hearts. He will turn them upside down. He will give them bad commandments for them to offer their children in burnt sacrifices to their pagan deities. God does all these things. He sends strong delusion for men to believe a lie that they all might be damned to receive not the love of the truth. These things are all true about the God of the Bible as well. Why they're not taught anymore? We live in the perilous times of the last days. Men used to preach that truth, and they knew what 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 was about. They knew it was about Pope Frank and all those people, 1.2 billion under him, that believed the most ridiculous ideas of Christianity ever conceived. But we live in the last times. 
God has graciously, graciously led us over several decades with much light and conviction to learn truth, and we have documented the things he has taught us and the rare probability of the blessed combination of the things that we believe by his grace only. Those leaving us must compromise numerous points of doctrine and practice to worship anywhere. I love it when someone comes to visit us and they find out some of the fundamentals of our faith. The Bible version that we use. That salvation is an unconditional gift of the grace of God, starting with election and eternity. Our simple and practice, our simple worship. That we're historicists. That we practice Christian liberty. We're King James drinkers. That alone's enough to do most, of, most people in. Those five things right there destroy you. After you come here and you say, I believe those five things. You go out that door, where are you going to go? It's not because we're special. It's not because we're intelligent. It's not because we're diligent. It's not because we're faithful. It's because God is gracious. Yeah. And he's revealed truth to us. Yeah. We're not going to apologize for it. We're going to say it just like I said it. It's not because we're intelligent. It's not because we're diligent. It's not because of our character. It's because of his character. He's gracious. He's merciful. He took the least and blessed them with much to get all the glory. He blessed nothing to bring those that think they are something to naught. Truth is not a right. Natural man proudly assumes that truth is his right. Easily obtained an ode to him. Since any God that he allows to exist is by his own imagination, any God that does exist in his imagination must love him and must bless him with the truth and want him to know the truth. When we use the word right, a right is something someone owes you due to debt, he's in debt to you, or to the value of your person or your position but God doesn't owe us truth for any of those things. He's not in debt to us. And our persons are rebellious. And our position is lower than his angels. He doesn't owe us truth. Modern Christians, ignorant and proud, cannot accept God blinding or deceiving men. They can't imagine God doing that. Because they're of too much value for God to do that to them. That would be some violation of character for God to do it from his direction or violation of them from their end in receiving that blinding. But we chose a lie. You know I've said this so many times going through John 6. We chose a lie in Eden. God said in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The devil said thou shalt not surely die. We chose that one instead of God's word. We chose the devil's lie instead of God's truth. So he gives us what we wanted. Every child that you've conceived. What does the Bible say about him in Psalm 58 and verse 3? Every child that I've conceived. What does the Bible say? Liars from the womb. 58.3. 5. In sin did my mother conceive me. In that little womb. Inside David's mother. In sin did my mother conceive me. He wasn't talking about his parents fornicating. He was son number eight. He was talking about the fact that he was born in sin. 
And as soon as they're born, they go astray speaking lies. Psalm 58 and verse 3. Every honest parent knows it in just a few weeks or days. Lord, thank you for saving us. We chose a lie in Eden. We speak lies from our mother's wombs. And we choose lies after that. We'll lie to get ourselves out of trouble. We'll lie to get ourselves an advantage without the grace of God changing us. Our first parents chose that lie and we forfeited truth. And we've been held captive by the father of lies ever since. John chapter 8 and verse 44, Ye are of your father the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning. Jesus said of the devil and the father of those Jews, And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. The devil had the opportunity to abide in the truth. He left the truth. What did it cost him? He'll be tormented forever in the lake of fire. And the smoke of his torment will ascend up into heaven forever. He abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. All lies come from the devil. The devil made a choice not to abide in the truth. We've been shown the truth. Are we going to abide in the truth? That means to remain there. You say, how could the devil do that? God arranged it. God created a being of great intelligence, greater than ours. But God did not make that devil as great as he was. And that devil, with that will that he had given to him by God, rebelled against the authority that God had. And everybody wants to talk about the, the benefit and the privilege and the gift and the kindness of a free will. Lord, don't give me a free will. Give me a will in bondage to your will. Make me to go in the way of your commandments. Incline my heart after your precepts. Incline my heart away from wicked practices and from covetousness. I want to be free from sin and in bondage to Christ and his will. He exercised that will of his against God and he abode not in the truth. He left it. And so have men ever since. God does not owe truth to anyone because we choose lies. Look at Psalm 14. Psalm 14. Do you know how blessed you are? Do you know how many people grow up believing a lie? And they spend their whole life? All those little children going off to Catholic school to be catechized year after year by Sister Mary Elephant? Are we better than they? No. No. Has God been gracious to us? Incredibly so. Incredibly so. Psalm 14. The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Were there any that did understand and seek God? No. No one wanted truth. 
No one wanted truth. There has never been a person in the history of the world that wants truth. They will want truth when they can define truth as what they think. They want truth when they can define truth as what Einstein thought. The ignoramus. I don't care what physics laws he thinks he understood. Our God operates above all the physics laws he thinks he might have figured out. Right. Are you kidding me? Our God invented every aspect of this universe. By him, all things consist. By the word of his power, all things are held together, and they're all going to blow apart as soon as he says it's time. That's right. Amen. There is none that understandeth. No one wanted truth when truth involves a creator that tells you how to live. That creator told the devil how to live, and the devil wouldn't submit to it. He abode not in the truth. That, devil told, that, that creator told our first parents how to live. One little commandment. But that one little commandment, when they were tempted, was enough to go against him because they didn't want to submit to him. They wanted to believe a lie instead. The lie was, God has a secret. God knows that the day you eat the fruit of the, off that tree, you're going to be like him. And so the ambition and the pride of man is so great when the devil is there to tempt him. And the devil encouraged our first mother, deceiving her, and our first father chose her over God. It's a terrible story, but it involves truth, and we've lost it. We don't have a right to it. We chose lies. We continue to choose lies. There's none that understand. There's none that seek after God. They're all together become filthy. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. They're corrupt. They've done abominable works. There's none. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Let me prove by showing it to you that men understand things from the natural creation. The devil deceiveth the whole world. Revelation 12, 9. Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed. If someone is going to preach the gospel, some of us grew up hearing Romans 1, 16 over and over and over. Here's Romans 1, 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, what about everyone that doesn't believe? Why don't you preach the whole gospel? What about the rest? What about the majority of the human race? Verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth, who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. It is made clear to them. A manifest exposes, reveals, discovers, shows what is hidden from sight. It was shown to them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him, God is invisible spirit, and his invisibility, and his character and nature in certain respects, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, not obscurely seen, but clearly seen, being understood, they can understand, by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's what the Bible says, and I believe that. Right there. Those three verses tell us that when, you, when the gospel is preached, it is to reveal the wrath of God against men who have had the truth presented to them, offered to them, shown to them. They've understood it. They've embraced it. They've held it. But they've chosen to live their own way. God then rewires them, blinds their hearts, and turns them over to do perverse things to disgrace each other, which they're now doing and cheering each other on. 
If you were to continue reading verses 21 down through the end of the chapter, truth is not a right. The truth God gave in, in the creation of the world, the truth God gives in his daily providence, the truth God gives in the conscience of man is insufficient for them to submit themselves to him. They want to live their own way. And so they do. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Right. You can't even plumb the depths of the wickedness of your own heart. That's how we want to get rid of our heart and, make, and give our whole heart to God, as Colin told us from Psalm 138, and humble ourselves to this word and make this word the foundation for our thoughts. The thought of foolishness is sin. We want to thank God's thoughts from his word. The sure way to rouse the hatred of men is to preach the truth. Jesus said in John 8, 45, that's the verse after year of your father, the devil. He said, why don't you believe me? Because I tell you the truth. If he were to tell them a lie, they'd believe him. A lie is always more popular than the truth. It always has been. It always will be. Truth is only by revelation. We know that one, don't we? Deception is terrible. The only way we can know the truth is to have it revealed to us. Deception is terrible to believe. A lie is the truth. You live your whole life. Father O'Reilly is going to get me to heaven. I go to Father O'Reilly and I confess my sins. I'm a sweet little lady. My husband never goes to church with me, but I'm at Mass every week. I confess my sins. I tell him intimate things of my heart and thoughts of when I've sinned. And Father O'Reilly forgives me, tells me what to do for penance. I go buy a few candles. My husband dies. I give half of his estate to the church. I buy candles all the time to get him out of hell or to get him out of purgatory. I say the rosary over and over, over and over. I pray the Hail Marys and all the other prayers. Then I die and I meet Jesus Christ and Mary isn't there to help me. And Father O'Reilly isn't there to help me. And there's no Pope there to help me. And I stand before someone that you cannot even imagine and I cannot convey to you what he's going to be like when you see him. I do say this to you, and I mean it. And I ask God to help me one second after meeting Jesus Christ. You will wish I had been harder on you as your pastor. We will give an account of ourselves, and he will welcome us into glory based on the merits of his righteousness and death for us. But not that poor little woman. What a terrible life to live. And if it weren't for the grace of God, you and I would be dipping the water, we'd be coming in, the, dipping our fingers in the water and splashing ourselves and kneeling right up there at the front. We'd want to be first in line. We'd be choir boys, Shane. Some of you've done it, right, Mark? Thank you, Lord. Amen. We'd emasculate ourselves to sing like little girls in their choir. Maybe. Maybe you. <laughs> Lord, thank you. Amen. It's amazing what they do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. How? To live a life for a lie. No man believes a lie as a lie, do they? No. Think about it. Nope. No man believes a lie as a lie. He is sure his lies are truth and boldly boasts of them. He is confident he has more than sufficient evidence and proof for his conclusions. But truth isn't by rationalization, it's not by reasoning, it's only by God revealing it to the unworthy. Thank you, Lord, for that. Amen. 
Learning truth requires two things, as I wrote you yesterday. God sending the truth to you and God preparing you to receive it. If either thing is missing, nothing happens. It takes both. The ones he sends, he says the ugliest, some of the ugliest parts of their body are beautiful. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of them that bring the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things that say unto Israel, Thy God reigneth. Isaiah 52 and verse 7 quoted in Romans 10 and verse 15. Then he's got to open the heart of Lydia, doesn't he? There's Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira in Philippi of Macedonia, of Greece. She's out by a riverside where prayer is wont to be made. She's the little woman with the rosary, whatever. Imagine her any way you want to. Who did God pick to send to her? The greatest apostle of the Gentiles. Paul comes out there to the riverside. Oh, can you see the picture? She's at a riverside where prayer was wont to be made with other women. Here comes this man named Paul. Paul introduces himself and asks a few questions to get things started. And he presents the gospel of Jesus Christ and the Lord opened her heart. Lydia's heart opens, and it says that she attended unto the things that were spoken of Paul. She listened to everything that Paul said. She believed it. She rejoiced. She was baptized right then. She said, if you've counted me faithful in obeying the Lord, then come home and stay with me. And she showed Christian hospitality right off the bat. It takes those two things. And the Lord has sent teachers to us at various times, in various ways, and he's opened our hearts to believe the truth. And it's a tremendous combination when he does that. And it's all by his grace. God owes it to none, and he deludes others. It's not a right. It's a blessing of revelation. Truth is a privilege. If it's a blessing, it's a privilege to get it. Jacob thanked God for it. I am not worthy of all the truth that you have shown me. In Genesis 32 and verse 10. Look at Psalm 147. It's a privilege. It's a tremendous privilege. When you get a privilege, you want to run through that door. It's a blessing. It's a favor that God gives. Psalm 147. I've shown you these verses before. They're just so meaningful about truth not being a right, but rather a privilege. Psalm 147 verse 19 He, speaking of God, showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. Remember, Jacob got his name changed to Israel because he was the father of the Israelites. God showeth his word unto Jacob, the children of Israel, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He hath not dealt so with any nation. He hath not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments... They have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. What should we do because of this fact right here, that truth is not a right but a privilege granted to a few? We should praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You'd be trusting your entire life in a lie and then find out in one second after death that it was all a lie. And you're standing naked before God. You say, how can that be fair? Because we chose it in the Garden of Eden. It's very fair. And we continue to choose it. 
That little woman never examines her Bible. That, never, that little woman never questions anything. She doesn't question the fact when that little sun disc manufactured host is put on her tongue and it dissolves in her mouth like any other little cracker as to what really happened. She just believes it's the body, blood, soul, and divinity. They're terrible lies. I'm just picking on one little category of them. God gave us his word. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. You say, well, part of it's a national choice. I won't, I won't deny it. Part of it's a national choice. We were born in a nation where the Bible has a role. Amen. Well, I was born to parents that believe the Bible. Thank God you were born to parents that believe the Bible. Right. All of that is under God's arrangement and his providential care for you in your life. There was a point in my time where I didn't care about the Bible. Thank God he changed you then. And, may, and gave you a time when you didn't care about the Bible. He showed you the truth. There were times where you've heard the word of God preached and it convicted you. And you were humbled by it. You believed it. You were willing to repent of your sins and do whatever Jesus Christ asked you to do. He opened your heart to it. Right. That you attended to it. You're willing to endure sound doctrine by sitting in this church. All by the grace of God. Amen. All by the grace of God. Truth is an opportunity. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy 4. Not only is it a privilege, it's only granted to some. It's a privilege. It's not a right. No one deserves it. Not all get it. It's a privilege. Lord, thank you for the privilege of your truth. Lord, what we're not obeying, show us. What we don't see, convince us. We're willing to change. Amen. We want to follow you perfectly. We don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our training. We don't trust our thinking. We don't trust our affections. Change us. Show us. Convict us. Humble us. We want your truth. Amen. We thank thee for every bit of it that you've shown us. We won't apologize for it, but we'll tell thee that if there's more you want us to understand, show it to us. Yeah. It's an opportunity. And when you get an opportunity, you want to take a hold of it, leverage it, and exploit it. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 5. Behold. This is just before Moses died. The book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 4, verse 5. Behold. This is Moses addressing the church of the Old Testament about to go into the land of Canaan, though he will not go with them. Behold. Yes, I want to get your attention. Behold. I have taught you statutes and judgments. They weren't mine. Even as the Lord my God commanded me, they were his. That ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep, therefore, and do them. They weren't mine. Those statutes and judgments I taught you were God's. He commanded me for you to do them. Keep, therefore, and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. No, they have a wise and understanding God that revealed truth to them. Right. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things 
that we call upon him for? And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I set before you this day? Those are four great verses. Truth is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be wise and understanding. And if we were to go to other places in Deuteronomy, Moses will say, these statutes and these commandments are your righteousness. Here it's your wisdom. They are your righteousness in the sight of God. They are your life because your life will be extended by obeying them. Truth, it's an opportunity. Let's take it. Wise and understanding people. We have understanding of so many things in the Word of God. Not everything, but so many things that the Lord's shown us. That great controversy that has caused wars between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man. The Lord's just blown it away for us. We see the five phases of salvation where we're responsible, where God's responsible. We see so many different things. We, we see prophecy. They're so confused about prophecy, they say, let's not let prophecy divide us. The Lord's shown us. The Lord's shown us so many things. They can't handle Hebrews in four of the passages there. The Lord's shown us how to handle them. But truth is a responsibility. Brethren, look at Luke chapter 8 with me. Luke chapter 8. It is an axiom of the gospel that God hides truth. Do you believe that? Amen. He hath blinded the eyes so that they cannot see. He stopped up the ears so they cannot hear, lest he should convert them. That is a prophecy from Isaiah 6. Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Do you know how many times I've heard that in my life? Those of you that were raised like I was, you heard it over and over again. Here am I, send me. That's verse 8. Do you know what verse 9 is? Go and preach. No one's going to believe it because I'm going to stop up their ears and their eyes and their hearts lest they be converted and I heal them. And Isaiah said, Lord, how long? And he said, until I tear the place to shreds and there's really nothing left, but in it I will leave a tenth and that tenth will be my seed. Do you know how many times Jesus and the apostles quoted that prophecy? Because the Jews were the fulfillment of that generation. When were they torn apart? In 70 AD they were torn apart. Acts chapter 28, Paul is in Rome finally, and the elders of the Jews come to him. They have no personal animosity with him. They don't really know about the Apostle Paul. And it says so there. And he sits down with them, and he presents the gospel briefly to them, and they, no, no, no. And he, he said, be careful. Be careful what you're saying to me right now, lest the prophecy of Isaiah be fulfilled in you. It is quoted throughout the New Testament. It's quoted in Romans 11. It's in Acts 28. It's in John 12. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That prophecy from Isaiah 6. Yes, God blinds. It's an axiom of the gospel that God deceives men. Does he rewire men in Romans chapter 1? Yes. Does he send strong delusion in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 for men to believe a lie? Yes, he does. 
If you go to a prophet of God in Ezekiel chapter 14 with an idol in your heart or a stumbling block of iniquity before your eyes, you've already made up your mind that you're going to keep something that you want to do your way. What will God do to the prophet that you inquire of? He'll deceive him and you via him. Would God ever give you bad commandments to keep? Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 23 through 26. God gave Israel bad commandments to keep like child sacrifice. Did God make them sacrifice their children? No. Did God harden their hearts like he hardened the heart of Pharaoh so that they bought into the false religions of Canaan and offered their children in sacrifice? Yes, indeed. Why? To make them desolate so that they would know that he was the Lord. Look at Luke 8. It's the parable of the sower. Truth is a responsibility, brethren. Do you love the truth? Are you thankful for the truth? Are you dedicated to the truth? Are you going to help this church be the pillar and ground of the truth? Are you going to remain with the truth? Are you going to abide in the truth? Are you going to live up to the truth? Are you going to help promote the truth? Are we going to encourage each other in the truth? Are we going to ask the Lord for more truth? Luke 8, the bottom line, the invitation, if you will, after the parable of the sower. This is the Lord Jesus Christ explaining it to his apostles. The rest of the crowd couldn't understand it because he spoke to them in a parable. But he explained it to his apostles and then he drew this conclusion. Luke 8, 18. Take heed, therefore. Take heed, therefore. How ye hear. When we come in here and we hear the truth of God's word open to us. Whether it's Habakkuk chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 5, Psalm 138, John chapter 6. Or Luke chapter 8. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. How are you going to hear? Are you going to hear like the wayside hearer? Unprepared, daydreaming, dozing, the devil comes and snatches the word away. Are you going to hear like the stony ground hearer? That you like it, but when you leave, you meet, in, you meet a little persecution, and so you give up. Because you're a stony ground hearer, you don't have a deep root system. The sun starts to beat on you and you give up. Or are you seed among thorn, in thorny ground? You go out of here, you believe it, you're somewhat excited, and then the cares of this life and riches and the pursuit of, of earthly gain chokes out the word that it doesn't bear fruit. Or are you going to hear it like it lands on good ground? Lord, I love that. I want to obey that. Help me to obey that, Lord. I want to bear fruit with that message you've given me. Because... Truth isn't a right, Lord. You've blessed me. It's a privilege. It's an opportunity. And I have a responsibility to bear fruit for it. Third time. What effect did Isaiah 44 have on you? I think I probably know Isaiah 44 better than you. Why did it mess me up? Because it's wonderful. I gave you the three divisions of the chapter. I got to bless the Lord last night for Isaiah 44. I was out of my mind. I couldn't believe the promises. I'm going to pour water upon you dry and thirsty ground. That was the church in Babylon. I'm going to pour a blessing on you. It wasn't Benny Hinnon in the Bilo Center. It was his mercy on Israel, the church of God of the Old Testament, that he made fun of idolaters. And I love the way he makes fun. Ah, I have felt the fire. Oh, I've got a leftover piece of wood. I'm going to bow down to it and worship it and say, save me. 
Then he makes fun of all the diviners in the world, all the prognosticators that don't think that Babylon can be overthrown. He overthrew it in one night, brethren. The Persians didn't lose anyone taking the city of Babylon. They just walked in. Belshazzar's down there toasting with God, Jehovah's vessels. And a hand comes out on the wall. That's my God. It's in, a, it's in Isaiah 44. I love him. I'll do anything for him. He's a wonderful God. Amen. If he sends my soul to hell, his righteous law approves it well, and I still owe him everything. Right. I'm thankful to know him. Life without knowing him would be a curse. Life knowing him is a blessing. Yes. Even with difficult things, even with the trials and troubles like Colin told us in Psalm 138. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. Let me change it. Take heed, therefore, how you read. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. I love this verse. I'm sorry. Take heed, my brothers and my sisters, to myself. Take heed, therefore, because there's four responses. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. The poor get poorer and the rich get richer when you come to the word of God. He that hath shall be given. That means he's going to have more. Remember, five talents, two talents, one talent. The five talent multiplied it to ten. The two talent multiplied it to four. The one didn't do anything with it. What happened to the one talent of this? First of all, where did that guy go? He was cast into outer darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. Where did his one talent go? Jesus said, give it to the man with ten. Do you know what the crowd said upon hearing that? Lord, he's got ten. Give it to the man with ten. Eleven, four, zero, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. Brethren, the Lord has blessed us with truth. I need to end this. There's so much more I was going to say. We'll say it some other time. You've already heard it before. Right now, if I can leave you with Luke 8, 18, then I will be successful if it will convince you to read Isaiah 44 again and to read it more carefully and to think about what you've heard this morning, that life is not a blessing if you don't have the truth of God. God has given you life and he's given you truth to know him. You are greatly blessed. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. Take heed, therefore, how ye read. We have slowed down our reading program to read one chapter a day. Some of you read more. Good for you. We've slowed it down so that we will take heed how we read. Right. Let's take heed how we hear. There's four responses to the gospel. Which one are you going to have today? I want to have the one that bears much fruit. 30, 60, or 100 fold. What are you going to do? May the Lord bless the preaching of his word to bear fruit in all of our lives. Amen. Let us abide in it.